Welcome to Remain. We're Arn and Trina. This one is for the weary, those still in the middle of their story of marriage, ministry, or chronic illness. This is a call to remain. Hello. So, we are back. Uh, We just spent like 15 minutes recording this episode until we realized... We um, we had not plugged in the microphone into the laptop, and so the quality <laughs> was going to be very, very poor, and so here we are starting over. But unfortunately, if I repeat a joke, it dies, and so I had a few really good, <laughs> right, random jokes, and now I have nothing. Nothing. I'm scotch tape. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was an inside joke. It was so inside, no one knows where it comes from. My sister knows. All right. So I made a joke about sticky date pudding. I made some comments about chocolate cake. Um, just if you can just stop listening for a sec and just laugh, I would feel kind of validated because there there was humor. There were some puns. You rolled your eyes, you you laughed at my jokes, and now here we are just boring. Lame. So sad. It really is so sad that we just wasted 15 minutes of precious, precious time when the boys are asleep, right? I think just this very, like, sad beginning matches up with the topic, but the problem is that in the previous episode, we, we had some humor. Right. And so we had to kind of tone it down a bit to like come down to this more mellow conversation. So should we just pretend that we said something funny? (laughs) That was, oh, we just, that was so great. What? You forgot your line. That's what I was teasing you about when we recorded this. Remember? My line? I don't, I haven't been lying in a long time. I always tell the truth. What's your line, babe? Speaking of no. lying. And speaking of. <laughs> yeah, someone pointed that out that apparently in every episode I say and speaking of and I completely jumped to a very different topic. And I laughed because I had not noticed that I do that until the person pointed that out. But ever since the person kindly pointed it out, I've noticed it every single episode. So I think it's hilarious so if you want to go back and listen to all what is it 28 episodes before this now you will hear Aaron saying and speaking of numerous times it's like his line no but i think going back to listen to all this might be pointless (laughs) and you know what else is pointless the message in the book of ecclesiastes it's all vanity was that good so speaking (laughs) of ecclesiastes he says in 713 consider the work of god who can make straight what he has made crooked? And in part one of last week, we talked about this book, Crook in the Lot, because I was teaching through Ecclesiastes five or six years ago. While studying chapter seven, I, cr- I came across a, a sermon that made reference to a book written by Thomas Boston, and he writes about suffering, right? The crook in the lot. And we defined that, we explained that last time. And he's not just writing because he had nothing else to do or... This is just uh, his, you know, reflections. He's he's writing from a place of deep pain. So he lived out 
what he's writing about this crook in the lot. And I don't know if you caught that or not, but it's part two, guys, meaning we actually followed through on something we said, because sometimes we're doing an episode and we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do another part to this. And then we don't always do it. We change our minds and go somewhere else. But last week we did talk about Crook in the Lot and this week is part two of Crook in the Lot. So I'm going to pat you on the back now. (laughs) I think we'll celebrate by having some cereal later on. Cereal, because there's no more delicious desserts left in the house (laughs) last week we talked about who god is and we mentioned that the crook in the lot were actually thomas boston mentioned that this is god's doing uh, and this is part of his eternal and immovable plans and even though it all seems crooked here on earth all of this is straight in heaven do you know what he might have meant by that crooked and straight oh like I'm assuming he meant from our perspective, it's it's twisted. It doesn't make sense. And from God's perspective, everything is completely on track because God is in complete and utter sovereign control, right? Yes. And so as I was reading and taking some notes, I also um, was realizing how much he talks about faith, but also the effect of the crook in the lot. And so that's where we want to go today. W- what's happening? W- what's happening in us? Why is this happening And then how do we respond? How do we have faith in the midst of this? So it's the effect from, like the effect um, caused by going through like a crook. And then what does faith look like in the midst of facing a crook in the lot? So for the effect, um, one of the first things is to see if a person is a genuine Christian, right? So God kind of tries people to discover their true kind of identity or if they're counterfeit like they don't really believe in him and they don't really love him um the second one is something i've really struggled with myself and uh, it's to wean them from the world to prompt them to like think about heaven so i've noticed this in my own life especially in seasons of suffering that god has really like stripped every earthly prop that's what it's felt like it's been this okay god do you have to rip this thing away too oh i guess you do okay what's next there's been seasons it's felt like that right are you laughing i'm laughing because it's almost been comical yeah right yeah there's there's been times like that when we're just like i can't believe this anymore Uh, Another reason is that he maybe is convincing you of some wrong steps you have taken. So it's a kind of a loud, strong wake-up call. Uh, This could be to punish or correct sin. Uh, Yes, obviously, um, there isn't um, an immediate maybe connection between sin and suffering or there's not a connection every time, but sometimes um, it's punishment. Or he says to prevent sin maybe to hold you back maybe to protect you from something uh this could also be a sanctifying work you know god purifying you cleansing you uh with a if, as a father disciplining uh their child and, and so here is here's like a summary statement of of this work yeah so this is a quote by boston and it's it's pretty cool um he said he says consider what a work of his it is how it is a convicting work for bringing sin to remembrance a correcting work to chastise you for your follies 
a preventing work to hedge you up from the courses of sin you would otherwise be apt to run into, a trying work to discover your state, your graces and corruption, a weaning work to wean you from the world and fit you for heaven. What's more important, he says, to remove the crook in the lot or to have our spirits humbled? Now, it would be so simple. It would be great if the crook in the lot was just completely removed. Um, and yet there is a work that's taking place, a far more significant and deep and maybe important work is the work of uh, increasing the humility in our hearts. Um, we would lose... Um, we would lose something quite significant if the crook in the lot was removed too quickly. Even if we look at our own story, if um, chronic illness did not come our way um, almost 10 years ago, if, if life was um, chipper and happy and peachy, peachy and simple, I don't think the our marriage, our, the health of our souls, our faith would be where it is today, right? Yeah, I think one of the things like we've said a few times is like that idea that a lot of water has passed under the bridge and it, it feels like that. So, um, yeah, there's like this depth of what God is doing. And at the same time, the humility is like a very real thing. I think I think I might have said this before on here, but I just want to say it again, because I think one of the biggest lessons that suffering has kind of taught me is like it's humbled me. Um, and I've said that to people, like people would say, oh, what's God teaching you? I'm like, uh, God's humbling me. That's exactly what it feels like God's doing. God is like, um, kind of like making me like realize like how weak and fragile and all those things I really am and how desperately I need him, um, all the time. Um, I think though the work of, um, humility in our hearts is not just for the two of us. I, I think there was a lot of work taking place in the heart of our son. Mm -hmm. um, oh. We remember very clearly he's three and four, and he would talk about prayer. He would make comments about unanswered prayer. Um, do you remember things he used to say? I, I remember once he was praying that God heals mommy, and he made a comment that God's not answering no, that God, he, I think he said that God's not hearing and like we need to pray louder so God could bend his ear and hear us. I think that's what he said. No, I think those are the exact words. And so here he is, a three, four-year-old wrestling with unanswered prayer. Um, and even though it was just a felt like a kick in the gut to, to hear him struggling, um, it was quite good that he was wrestling with these questions from a young age because every Christian struggles with unanswered prayers and if he can kind of process this from a young age um, that was going to be quite significant and, and we've talked a lot about this with him and so now we come to faith okay so if this is the work that's happening if this is what's happening behind the scenes uh, how do we have faith? We we have to realize that there's more than what more than what it seems. It might seem this is just a crook in the lot. 
this just is traumatic this is just a sickness this is just you know the hardest or the worst but we have to realize that there's something happening here this is hard and uncomfortable but we need to fix our gaze on what is happening above and beyond here not just simply see this with the eyes of our in our heads but to see this with the eyes of our hearts to see this with the eyes of faith to consider what it might be that God is doing so it's really hard uh, trust me because I've been there and I know you know some of you maybe are there or have been there or you will be there having faith in the midst of like a crook a really uncomfortable painful crook is really hard and knowing and trusting that God is never in a hurry um, and God is never late and God has different timing and we want things now and we want them without delay and God's timetable is just different. Um, here we are, we hate waiting. Uh, we live in a society of like the immediate and so much of the work that God is doing um, in the midst of a crook in the law is actually in our heart in the midst of the season of waiting. And it sucks <laughs> and it's painful and we fight against it, but he's doing something in the waiting um, and he is doing something in his time. I'm thinking about Amazon. I think at some point when we realize we can get Amazon Prime <laughs> and we realize that we can get deliveries quickly, that was just mind-blowing and i think that was a long time ago now yeah. and that is maybe one thing that helped us survive quarantine last year because we needed things or we wanted things and it would come the next day and we know that steve would be delivering the package and there was a knock on the door steve yes steve if <laughs> you're listening thank you i think we should tell steve about our podcast <laughs> So he'd knock on the door and we'd be happy that we got a package and we weren't sure what it was. It could just be buckwheat flour, but we would celebrate as a family. Excuse me, are you dissing buckwheat flour now? No. But what I'm trying to say... Oh, banana bread. Yeah, buckwheat okay. banana bread, baby. <laughs> um, we got used to getting immediate results. And we needed to buy, let's say, a book and you're going to order it and it says this will be shipped in 14 hours or you will receive this in six hours. And so we got used to immediate results. And as soon as there was a delay on Amazon, oh, there was anger. There was confusion. There was frustration. Like, how dare they yeah. not bring our package in one day? Yeah, it was almost like they owed us. Like, they said it's coming tomorrow. They can't send us a notice saying your package has been delayed. And so when there's like a survey or a comment section, oh, we would unleash metaphors and similes to express our frustration. Well, we're spoiled. Okay, not really, but yeah. <laughs> and so we have to realize that when it comes to our spiritual lives, God is not in a hurry. Um, relieving us from that crook in the lot will never happen in our time according to our timetable. God is allowing us to wait so that we have absolute dependence on him. Thomas Boston says, as the light depends on the sun or the shadow on the body, so we depend on God and without him can do nothing great or small. And God will have us to find it so to teach us our dependence this is how we get closer with God. When we learn absolute dependence in the hardest of days 
as we are forced to wait. And so when it comes to waiting, this does not mean that the crook will never be relieved. This does not mean that you are forgotten. Delays are not denials, Boston says, right? So these are trials that we are going through to build our faith to grow in patience. Hmm. So here's like a couple of things like we can pray for it. Uh, we can pray in faith, believing that um, at some point <laughs> uh, we are going to obtain um, the answer in this life too, if it is good for us, right? If it's good for us, what we're praying for at some point, we don't know when in his timing, God is going to give an affirmative answer. Um, and if he doesn't, then he's withholding something that is somehow in his wisdom, not good for us. Um, that's a difficult truth to swallow. Trust me. I know it's a painful truth to swallow. Um, and then another thing, a second thing we can wait patiently. Um, I think this is Boston's words. He says, until the hand that made it mends it. So the hand that made the crook mends the crook. So um, don't give up and decide, oh, this is hopeless. Um, don't think that because your answer is not coming yet, as soon as you would like, um, it's never going to come because that's, that's so easy to believe. Um, and I think this is what Aaron said, and I love this. He was saying, we are always too soon to give up on remaining. And that um, takes us to James chapter 1, verse... Uh, I think he talks about this around 4 through 8. But he says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If we want to be non-lackers, if we want to be people who have, if we want to be people who are full and complete and mature, that comes from perseverance. And perseverance comes from remaining in the hard seasons. There's no way around it. There's no um, trick. There's nothing sneaky under the table. It's just this is simple and it is hard. Thomas Boston says, A humble soul will be afraid of being taken out of its affliction too soon. That makes me angry, by the way. <laughs> Like, who doesn't want to get taken out of their affliction too soon? No, I know. And and this is not very comfortable and people don't really think and talk like this. But there is a work that's happening. We just don't get it. There There is a mystery, he says, in the providence of God. There There is something completely above and beyond us. We just don't get it. Keep, keep in mind that when we consider someone like Job... Um, there was a lot happening in the uh, scene, scenery of heaven uh, in chapters 1 and 2 that he was not aware of. All he knew was that he lost everything. In chapter 3, he starts lamenting and he wants to die. Even at the very, very end, when everything is restored, right? He has a restored relationship with God and, and he has, you know, that chapter 42 ends with, family and wealth and blessings, he never finds out. He didn't know what's happening in chapters 1 and 2. There, There's a mystery to that providence. And, and maybe we can do a short series on, on Job sometime. Oh, yeah, your favorite. <laughs> I don't think that's funny. <laughs> he says, um, 
when he talks about the mystery, he says, and in those which are perplexing and perplexing and puzzling, sovereignty should silence us. That's like a mic drop right there. <laughs> Which will not do because then the quality of the recording <laughs> will be poor. It says his infinite wisdom should satisfy though we cannot see. Sorry, I'm laughing at like such an inappropriate place, by the way. <laughs> it's okay. I think I think sometimes the humor helps us process something that's just very heavy anyway. Yes. Yes. Uh one or two more quotes on this. He says, This is a time fixed for it, as precisely as for the rising of the sun after a long and dark night, or the return of the spring after a long and sharp winter, right? So there is a fixed time. There is a fixed order for the day, the sun, the moon, as well as the seasons. And so there is a time when God will lift you from that crook in the lot. Yeah. I like the idea, like, let... Like, let the humble one not say that he will never be lifted up, right? I think that's a really cool idea. Um, and then there's a, another quote that he has. He says, God sees there is a need for the crook, a need be that we don't understand and maybe never will, but God sees the need for the crook and the making straight of that crook. We have to trust in him. Guys, this is not easy because I feel like um, I don't know if someone might be listening to this and they're watching a loved one die from cancer, right? Um, and they're like, really? Like, there's a need be? Like, that's super uncomfortable. And it jaws with, like, everything that we feel is nice and good and kind and loving. And if God is love, if that's the essence of who he is, how does that and how does that make sense and that brings us back to this idea of the mystery and at the same time the truth that God is 100% love and loving and I think we can kind of move to the final point about hope um, we have faith we trust knowing that God is at work and, and Thomas Boston talks a bit about you know, having an eternal perspective. Um, he talks about this, this heavenly groaning. And so groaning and lament and ache, these are not simple and level 101 kind of faith. Th this is deep. This is painful. This is exhausting. So faith doesn't look very cute and pretty. Sometimes faith is just a very deep groaning, a deep longing for heaven. It's like a visceral cry. I think... Our theology needs more room for visceral cries like that. Yeah, and I think that's why it's important for us to consider studying maybe verse by verse through Lamentations or chapter by chapter through Job. Job, how did I know you were going to say Job You know, again? they say, um, I think over a third of the Psalms mm -hmm. is just on lament. Um, I think that gives us permission to lament that gives us encouragement but that also gives us an example as well and we've talked about lament in the past so we won't go there again but i would encourage you you know maybe to pick up uh this book by thomas boston um and and listen a man who was in great suffering um who wrote on these very important truths now now we wrap this up and in the last 
you know, last week, this week, there's just been a lot of quotes and not too much from our own life. Do you want to make a comment of where you think we should be going uh, next week? So, yes, we are wrapping this up and we're hoping next week, uh, it's going to be hard to do, but we're going to uh, aim to talk more about an issue that has been like a really big struggle for us. Well, I'll say for me personally, not as much for Aaron, but we're going to talk about uh, fear um, and that how that can come in in a season of hardship and um, we'll see how that goes. But um, I think what we want to kind of leave you with um, from this, this episode is the idea that there is a mystery to God that we don't understand. His timing, his ways, it's just kind of sometimes very unclear to us. But we are called and we are exhorted not to give up, not to lose hope, not to lose faith, and to kind of keep going. And at the same time, being honest and real with our emotions, with our pain and our brokenness, because God's big enough to handle that. Hey, if you have friends and they don't want to hear any of the hard things in your life, guess what? God can handle that. God invites you to bring him all that painful junk in your life. So um, if you feel like there's nobody else you can talk about it with, God never gets tired of it. Um, and I think our churches and our communities need to be places where people can be more honest um, and feel safe to do that so i think that's some a hope we have for the church in general all right thank you